Our first passage will be Psalm 31, verses 1 to 5, and verses 15 and 16. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for what you do is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. Next, we'll be reading from Acts 6, starting at verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This aroused the people and elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses, We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Stephen then proceeded to teach about God's work in the world as evidenced through the scriptures and ended his teaching by challenging the very people who held his life in their hands. This is where we step back in today's passage as we resume reading in chapter 7, verse 51. And we see Stephen declare, You stubborn people, you are heathens at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish, la- the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. 
the word of the Lord. So let's jump into this story about Stephen this morning. And as we go through this, feel free to send me questions or share your thoughts. You can just text me at 306-992-2611. I'm going to be happy to respond to them tomorrow night when we do a Monday night live stream on Facebook and YouTube, as we've been doing when I preach. So I hope you can join us for that too. Now, when we first encounter Stephen in Acts 6, he's one of seven believers given responsibility to ensure the food distribution is fair and the widows aren't being overlooked. We're told Stephen is selected for this because he's full of the spirit and wisdom. And we see the church continuing to grow with more and more coming to faith in Jerusalem, including, we're told, a large number of priests. Now, that's interesting. Because what that means is the established powers were being undermined. And then we read that Stephen, and we're told he's a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. We already know from reading Acts that the religious leaders did not like wonders and signs taking place around people, that they weren't responsible for, at least. On top of that, now we have priests turning to Jesus and away uh, from being fully under the authority of the leaders, the leadership. And we see opposition arises, and some are arguing with Stephen, but even then, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom that God's Spirit provided Stephen. And so they resort to the age-old practice of spreading lies. And they're spreading lies that Stephen was speaking blasphemy mistruths about Moses and about God. And we see now that Stephen's gone from being a leader in the church into a threat to the existing powers of the world and of the religious establishment. And we need to be clear that the people that Stephen's a threat to, these are not evil monsters either. In their eyes, they were faithful Jews. So we need to be cautious in demonizing people. Because maybe sometimes they're a lot closer to us than we think. What would you do to protect what you believe from something that threatens its existence? Because Stephen and the truth he taught was such a threat to that leadership. And they were trying to hold on tight, as we've talked about before. And this is the space between faith and fear. And first, we need to recognize it's not our battle, but it's God's battle, and our call is to be faithful to God. And as Pastor Ben shared so clearly last week, God wins. We can trust God. But these religious leaders are so fearful, and they're trying to do everything to hold on to their power that they even act against their own faith. They get others to speak against Stephen. They turn to lies and mistruth. We need to recognize that as followers of Jesus, we need to let go of our control, trust and yield to the Holy Spirit. We also need to recognize that it's not that hard for us to become like these leaders seeking control and seeking to maintain power instead of yielding to God. We've seen this in the church throughout church history. We need to learn from those lessons. We need to learn from lessons of people like Stephen, which we're going to do this morning. Now I need to tell you, where there are rumors, there are always people who will take them and run with them. 
And so a group of people, including the teachers of the law, get worked up about these rumors, and they see Stephen, and they bring him before the Sanhedrin and find even more people to lie about Stephen. And they say all these things, and then we're told they look at Stephen, and we're told all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw, what it, they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Clearly, there was something different about Stephen, something special. And what made Stephen special is what made him a threat to the status quo or world of the world around him. When your authority is God, all others lose authority over you. You can respect them. You can follow the rules. But your ultimate authority is God. People can mock you. People can insult you. They can beat you and imprison you and kill you. But if you keep your eyes on the triune God and on serving him, not one of those things can separate you from the love of God. Not one of those things can defeat what God is doing. And we learn from Stephen first that those who obey Jesus and live for him are a threat to the powers of the world. When we truly are obedient to God's calling in our life, it usurps the powers of the world because God is in control, because God is king, because our God reigns. It usurps the selfishness, the desire for control over others. It brings the love and grace and forgiveness and truth into the world. It brings God's righteousness and God's holiness into the world and drives away sin and brokenness. And so we should be reminded by Stephen that we need to choose each day who, who we will be. A person like Stephen, full of grace and power in this world, trusting in God, yielding to the Spirit, or are we going to seek after power and prestige from the world around us? There really is no middle ground. The powers of the gospel, the powers of grace, love, and forgiveness usurp and undermine and even destroy the selfishness, the selfish, controlling, and destructive ways of this world. They replace the world's way with God's way and transform lives. It renders the power of those in control as null and void as they seek to control us. And God reigns in our life. So the first question this morning, as a follower of Jesus, are you a threat to the status quo of this broken world? Are you an agent of love and grace and hope and tr truth and holiness and righteousness, God's righteousness in this world? Are you an agent of the world? It's not really anything in between those two. Where do you align? Who do you strive to be? I'm not saying you're going to be perfect at it. But where's your heart? And so we continue the story. We see the high priest ask Stephen, are these charges true? And we see Stephen transformed into a storyteller as we keep going in the story. And the first thing we need to recognize is that after Stephen, asked, after Stephen is asked if the charges are true, he doesn't actually answer that question, does he? And too often, we allow the conversation in the world to be determined by the world. My friends, we don't have to let the world dictate our talking points as followers. They don't get to set the agenda for us. They have a broken agenda, an agenda of power and control. An agenda that's rooted in sin and brokenness. But when we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, when we're trusting the Holy Spirit, our agenda is one of love and grace and forgiveness and healing and truth and righteousness. 
We do not have to let the world dictate our talking points as followers of Jesus. Stephen doesn't. He doesn't even answer the question because he doesn't need to. What he needs to do is share God's truth. Now, Stephen gives an incredible speech or sermon. This is not something that Stephen had spent hours preparing. He didn't have this in his back pocket waiting for such a time as, well, I wrote this sermon for you in case you wanted to kill me. No. So how does Stephen know what to say? I mean, he's not defending his rights. He's not defending his innocence against mistruth. So how does he know what to say? Well, Stephen's following the rule of Jesus in his life and not the rules of the world. So he's telling the story that God lays on his heart. And Jesus actually told us to expect this when he shared with the the disciples in, in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus said in Luke 12, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You'd almost think Jesus was speaking exactly about Stephen. But Jesus is speaking about all of us. The Spirit will work in us and give us the words we need. And this is exactly the situation Stephen is in. And he trusts the Holy Spirit and speaks from what God lays on his heart, from the truth he knows. And you might say, oh, I could never do that. But we can. You see, we each have a story in our life of God at work in our life. It's a story of faith and love, a story of doubt and fear being overcome, of repentance and forgiveness. It's a story of transformation and seeking to be obedient to God. It's not a story of perfection by any means, but it is a story of grace and hope. And that's a story that God has given to you. And that's your story to share. When you hit those spots where people are asking you about God and what it means, whether it's confrontational or actual interest, that's the truth God has given you, rooted in the true one, Jesus Christ. That's what you get to share. And there are no experts in your story but you. We also have the story of Scripture that God has given us. And you may say, well, I don't know it well enough. Then get to know it better. If you don't know scripture well enough, then immerse yourself in it. Start reading through the Gospels every day. Read a chapter or two or three in the Gospels each day and learn the stories. Learn who God is from it. Engage in the dialogue with the Word of God and let God speak to you through it. Seeing what you like and don't like. See what questions that come up for you. See what God is calling you to be. But ultimately, in all of this, We just need to trust God to guide your words in your heart. Trust God to transform you into a a storyteller of God's work in your life, in the world, and in Scripture, just as God transformed Stephen. And as Stephen speaks, he tells stories of each of the patriarchs, stories of their waiting, of God shaping them in seasons of waiting, the struggles they endured during times of waiting, struggles such as slavery and imprisonment. There's so much meat here that we could talk about, and we're just going to skim over this. And to the end, when the story turns to focusing on God's work and how those who are listening to Stephen in his words are uh, stiff-necked people just like their ancestors resisting God's spirit. Now, when you're facing a hostile crowd, those might not be the right words if you're trying to appease them. But Stephen's not trying to appease them. He's wanting to speak truth. 
Stephen calls them uncircumcised in hearts and ears. He's calling them out as people who go through the right motions, but their hearts and minds are unchanged. Something Jesus longingly desired to see in them, desires to see in us. These are not the words the world would suggest. The world would suggest begging and pleading. It would suggest defending yourself and arguing. But in God's world, truth reigns. And so Stephen speaks God's truth. And as Stephen concludes his story, his sermon, those he spoke to take up their role again, resenting, rebuking, retaliating. And as they do that, we see Stephen transformed even further. And Stephen becomes the forgiver. Stephen continues to be transformed by God filling him with his spirit. And his focus shifts from this world to the heavenly realm. He declares, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. My friends, this is the worst possible thing Stephen could have said. (laughs) But again, it was the truth. That's the most important truth that needs to be heard. You see, Stephen is proclaiming the Son of God, Jesus Christ, resurrected and ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. This is the truth that usurps all the power that the religious leaders hold on to. And the lines are drawn, the lines of faith in God versus the powers of the world. And the world can only do one thing to silence Stephen, and they drag him out and stone him. A horrible and painful way. And in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of what we would imagine to be incredible pain and agony, Stephen's reaction is not one of anger. It's not one of suffering. Suffering even, it's the response of one who's victorious. It's the response of the one who is in power in a relationship. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. He doesn't call out their sins again. He doesn't fight for his rights and for the truth he holds. He doesn't beg for his life. For the battle of earthly things is below him. Because in reality, God has already won through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Stephen knows that God wins. And as they kill Stephen, Stephen holds over power over each and every person stoning them. Pleading for forgiveness and grace for them. And in that moment, Stephen echoes the very heart of Jesus as Jesus approached his own death on the cross when Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. The words of the king on the cross are echoed by his very servant as Stephen suffered alongside his Savior. And Stephen offers forgiveness where others offer hate. Can you offer forgiveness? I suspect you're not in the same spot Stephen is with your life on the line right now. But can you embrace the power of God's kingdom and share forgiveness? Forgive those who have hurt you, said things to you, broken relationships, upset you. What are you holding on to? When we let hate and brokenness Define our relationships. We're letting the world control us and not God's spirit. Will you let God's spirit transform you into a forgiver like Stephen was?
I believe fully that the forgiveness of God's people in this world is one of the most powerful forces that can transform relationships, communities, and countries. Can we be that people? We need this as a community of faith. We need this in the community of Regina and in Saskatchewan and in Canada. Will you be part of that solution? Will you be an agent of God in this world and let him transform you into a person of forgiveness? And will you be able to actually pray the Lord's Prayer? Forgive me my sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let's be a people of forgiveness. And after Stephen forgives them, Stephen is transformed into a martyr. Stephen dies. We're actually told that he falls asleep, for there is no death where there is eternal life promised and received. Leaders are happy. Saul is observing and sees this as a righteous act. After all, Stephen was killed in the name of God. So what could be wrong with it? But the absurdity of that truth is not exposed to Saul yet. Soon it will be. In the new order of Jesus, where Jesus took on sin and called us to a new form of justice rooted in grace and love, there would be none in Israel who are innocent enough to kill someone else for their sins. And we see how Stephen embodies the kingdom of God, the new order. But we cannot miss the old order that is present. The old order that can justify death and killing when they believe they or God are threatened. And how often do Christians in the world still hold on to the old order of things, onto thinking that maybe we're in a place of power and control in this world, an illusion that was never rooted in God's kingdom? Maybe we don't want to kill. I hope we don't. But perhaps we just want to shame and isolate those different than us for their sins. Maybe we just want to heap condemnation on people who aren't sitting in our pews so we feel righteous about ourselves. Perhaps we wish to assume the role of judge, as the old order liked to do, not recognizing the new order that Jesus is the ultimate judge, and we do not need to do that for others. We need to recognize there's a difference between accountability within the community of faith and being accountable to one another and declaring God's judgment. We need to understand that grace is a part of everything. And the question is, are we willing to do as Stephen did and lay down our powers in the world and take up our cross? Are we willing to lay down our life, our way of being in this world, either metaphorically or literally, to live God's way in this world? Are we willing to see there is something far greater than this world awaiting us? That is the call on the persecuted church, that through everything it endures, its witness outshines its suffering. It's a call on us that our witness should outsign any inconvenience in this world, let alone suffering. It's a call that our love should drown out hate. Our grace should quench the judgment of the world and Christ should be shown to be king. So the question is, what is your witness in this world today? What would your witness be in a time of persecution? As I study scripture, I'm amazed as I look at Revelation, at the witness of the persecuted church, and how lukewarm other parts of the church are that aren't facing the same level of persecution, if any. 
I don't look forward to days of persecution. But I do look forward to the day when the church is on fire for Christ fully. And our attention is fully on living as a part of God's kingdom, no matter the cost here in the world. May God find us faithful in all we do and say. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come as your servants and you are our king. Help us to honor you in how we live each and every day, to live apart as a part of your kingdom and not of this world. May your spirit work within us to transform us and change us and to give us the words we need as we live in this world. And may we be a light in the darkness and may we look to the gift of eternal life beyond the things in this world. May we put our hope fully in you. In your name we pray. Amen.